You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Here we go, Sherry. Let Sherry baby rock your soul. She's gonna help you break the mold. She's super magic, truth be told. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Got lots and lots of musical glow. Spirituality, conviviality, sexuality. Quality time on the air. Quality time on the air. Quality time on the air. With Sherry. Cause and effect. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cause and Effect. This is Sherry Sanders. I am so happy to be here today. I'm introducing you to people I care about so, 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 so much. And that is the Musical Theater Educators Alliance and my friends who make up the Musical Theater Educators Alliance. I just want to tell you a little bit about them before I give you an introduction to all the incredible things that we do together. I'm going to go back a little bit in time and share with you that earlier on in my career, when I decided that I wanted to start getting involved with colleges, that it wasn't just about working with professional musical theater performances, I got mentored by the very amazing Mary Saunders Barton. And she said, you know what you need to do is you need to meet the folks at MTEA. And I don't even remember how many years ago this was. I feel like it might have been eight or nine years ago, maybe. And so what ended up happening was I presented there. I presented auditioning for pop rock musicals. And I think when I first got there, they were like, what is this girl going to do? I had funky pants on and I was cursing like a sailor. And they were like, welcome home. (laughs) Glad you're here. You know, and I know that I was the wild child of the bunch at the time, but they made room for me. Every year at Musical Theater Educators Alliance, these folks have let me get up and practice and try and do stuff and engage. And in 2017, I said, hey, can we do an inclusion effort? It was 2017. And so I, I applied for it. They said yes. And it was me and a handful of Black educators and a Black student and a handful of Asian and Southeast Asian actors and educators and allies. And it was our first step into the future, I felt. I'm here with the president of MTEA and Tim and Gwen, who are members of the Musical Theater Educators Alliance and are also pioneering our diversity and inclusion efforts. This is Stacy, Gwen, and Tim from MTEA. Welcome, everybody. Thank you folks so much for being here today with me. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. It's an honor. No, I, 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 because the thing is, is that, you know, I'm a freelancer, right? (laughs) I'm a guest artist. I also dropped out of school. So I feel like the schools I go to that you teach at, uh, have raised me and, uh, that I'm growing with them. So Stacy, you're, um, you're at university of Alabama and Gwen is at Penn state and Tim is at Fullerton in California. So they all are actually educators at different schools in different parts of the world. And how do you feel right now? Because we're, at, before we even go into all the work that we're doing, how does it feel right this moment to be a teacher, knowing that you have to go back to school with your students in days, whatever that looks like? How do you feel right this moment? Whoever wants to start. Uh, yeah, Stacy. I'll start. Yeah. Um, I feel unsettled. Uh-huh. I am like a lot of people in this industry and like a lot of our students. I am goal oriented. I am driven. I am like to check things off my list. And it's really hard to do that right now. And I 
have many plans. I have options A, B, C, D for <laughs> classes, for <laughs> projects. And it's just an unsettled feeling that is, it doesn't feel very, very good. <laughs> How is everybody's anxiety and depression? <laughs> if you don't mind my asking, are you feeling that getting stronger? Are you going, you know what? It's not time for our anxiety and depression. It's time for the kids and it's time for the students to get to school. And I will deal with that later. How are you personally dealing, all of you, with how this has all been and knowing what your responsibility is, not just to make sure all these kids are getting some kind of a lesson out of you by not being with you, but that they're actually feel like seen and understood as artists by you in time, in, in a way that we don't get to have a visceral experience with each other. It's a lot of, it's a lot of navigating that you're having to do. How does that, how's that impacting you? I would have answered to, um, your question of how am I feeling? I would have said that being uncertain um, of 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 how things are going to go, yeah, and being worried about my family's health and my health and my students' health, yes, not necessarily in that order, and not yeah. just their health. I'm a mental health advocate. I publish about it. I care about it deeply. I know that there was a mental health crisis on campus before this started, and yeah. that this is only making it exponentially worse. And I know the students are two of the biggest triggers for anxiety and depression and any kind of mental disorders are, are financial distress and um, uncertainty. And I, we're all experiencing all of those things in our students in particular. So how am I feeling? Anxious. Yes. Uh, worried. Yeah. And, and determined all at the same time. I am yeah. so determined to deliver valuable content and to shepherd this ship to the shore. I'm so <laughs> determined. And and Sherry, I'll echo Gwen's yeah. both Gwen and Stacy's comments. I think um, I think I'd be lying to you if I said that you know this has probably been a, a moment in time in my life where my mental health has been at a, a challenged, and I have really questioned a lot of how I'm teaching, mm. and and how I'm delivering that content to my students, and am I and also questioning have I have I been culturally responsive enough to my students in the past and, and really having a reckoning with myself and saying, okay, in this moment, how can I do learn, do the research, do the homework and not be a hypocrite, be somebody that says I am sincerely in allyship with all of my students of color. And that as an educator, I have a responsibility to teach them how to become uh, all of our students to become better allies. Yeah. And um, I've questioned that in myself. And so that's built up a lot of anxiety in me. Uh, and, you know, someone that identifies with the Latinx community, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to continually educate myself, not just with Latinx experiences, but with all experiences from all of our students. And God knows I am not an expert in any way, shape, or form. I'm getting a crash course day by day as I'm reading and reading and reading. And as I read, I start to uncover more things about myself. Yes. But also at the same time, I'm channeling that into try into positive change. And so, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm really heavily inspired right now because I just mentioned earlier that I, I'm reading that chapter in the earliest history of the Motown era talking about allyship and how our, our white students can exist in allyship with, um, with this material. And I think 
it's scary to talk about. Yeah. And it's scary to uncover that conversation with our students, but it has to happen. And so I think that's where I'm at right now. I'm filled with anxiety. I'm filled with, I'm excited to talk about it, but I'm also nervous at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And just to, and just to reference what Tim was talking about, he was talking about that he was mentioning the chapter in my book, <laughs> Rock the Audition, because we were talking about it earlier, um, that there's a chapter that I start, I start bringing the allyship into the audition room in the way you perform immediately at the 50s and 60s because we have to be allies all, all through time. And so why not get started where it really started in popular music, which was, of course, segregation and integration. And now we're in the, not in the same place, but I feel a little bit sheltered. I feel as though all this time I thought we were getting better yeah. about race because I was getting better about race because I was learning and, and my circles were talking about it and, and growing about it. And I had no idea that um, it was a part of the virus that has been laying underneath all this time. So what we're doing is we're looking at these kids with our own anxiety and our own worry and our own surviving, surviving the moment and we also have a responsibility to these young people to give them the education and the advocacy they deserve. How is that so tricky? Because I feel, and I'd love to open up this conversation, for example, Gwen advocates for everybody. Um, and, but in particular, just using an example, Gwen is a voice teacher and she advocates strongly for people being able to understand the world of the trans singer and what that, what that, what the language and the understanding and the lifting and the um, sort of bringing into the mainstream music and musical theater world needs to look like in a healthy way that is healing. We have to look at all of our students like that now. Yes. Yes. What have you gone through? What are you going through? Now you're, you get to college and all of a sudden your health, mental health issues come up anyway, because you're in college and now yeah. we're here. So it's like a quadruple whammy. It's a difficult time to be an educator, no matter how you look at it. We we get uh, Stacy and Tim and I and you. Yeah. We receive energy from our students in the room, electrical currents of yep. energy that feed us and keep us going. And we can teach for ten hours, and we're not tired. We're energized, That's and right. that doesn't happen online as much. And so, online teaching is harder, I think, for almost everyone I've talked to. And so we are, we are all trying to figure out how to do this the best way we possibly can. And in the middle of that, examining the core of ourselves, like Tim was saying, where have I not been the advocate that I need to be? And how can I change my curriculum and my syllabi? And how can I, how can I be the teacher that these students need in this moment right here and completely change my curriculum and teach online and my family and my anxiety and my my issues around the coronavirus and, and just the instability that we're experiencing in this moment. It's just all feels a little, you said yesterday when we were prepping for the conference, a little claws in the ceiling is how it feels. In this, yeah. And I want to, mm -hmm. I want all I want in the world. I mean, I know I'm, we're here to talk about us, but all I want in the world is to shepherd my students through safely, whatever yes. that means. Yes. And in terms of representing them well, but it also in terms of, of getting them 
their their degree and and having men, their mental health not crash in the interim. So like like there's so much so many balls to keep in the air and meanwhile nobody's really looking at us. Nobody's really asking us. You ask us how we are and I almost started I, yes. to cry when you said it because nobody asks us how we are. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I thought it was crucial for you all to be on here today is the industry is so driven by money and they and it's about the shows and even about the actors but you're the ones who are holding the actors in and not just the actors but the designers and you know anybody who goes into the theater we're we have them in our hands for the four crucial years before they go out into the industry and while that has happened i don't say we i pop in as auntie and come and tickle everybody's fancies but like looking at you you folks and everybody all of the teachers that are in our our big family um you know we nobody nobody is looking to see hey how's your mental health you're carrying you and these other people and the entire program hey do you need to build your skill set so you have more to offer these these young people that you're working with let me give you some funding so that you can oh you need more diversity great let's give these kids free money so that we can start building you know they don't look to you for the things you need for you to feel like you're doing the job you're doing and where are the places that you feel like you wish more people saw you. Like, I'll just tell you where I feel like more people saw you. It's just a perfect little silly example. And I know that you're not seen because I've been to 86 musical theater programs since I started. And I'm like, why am I the person who's taking care of everybody and not even taking care of them, just coming in and making people feel good. But what happens if I leave? I think the two things that I want to talk about right now are, um, who are we in Musical Theater Educators Alliance? And what is our purpose inside of it now? And how do we feel like the organization can, can have tools to give people? Because to me, we know the issues. We know there's terrible race issues. There's a terrible gendering that's going on. And young people have found themselves completely unseen. You know, And I know that there are people that want to see that. They just don't know how. So we have to find this happy medium, this meeting place. What do you think that meeting place looks like between the industry and education, between teachers and students? You know, where do you think these these solid connections can happen during these tricky times? First of all, I want to say that that MTA, as we affectionately refer to it, you know, is an international organization and it was founded in 1999. So we've been around for a while and it started with just like a group of heads of programs because there weren't nearly as many programs then as there are now. And they were sitting around talking about, you know, they were exchanging ideas and methodologies and solutions to common challenges. And, you know, those challenges are much different now than they were then. And so, you know, now we're really focusing on challenging the established norms, you know, and promoting conversations on race and gender and sex and, and more. And, um, you know, you you don't find any garbage or hidden BS with us in, in MTA. Like we're having the real conversations and, um, now we're trying to really walk the walk as opposed to, talking about what needs to happen and change and we're in solution mode. And we know that musical theater teachers, students, organizations, professional associates, we are part of a large growing community 
that represents the future of the industry. And it is up to us to see people of color reflected in, um, in, in the industry, in casting, in heads of programs. So it starts at this level, I think. And um, we've got to keep diversity at the forefront of our considerations in regards to the you know, nominations in the board, or, or this board. So we're trying to, you know, in this world of um, instant gratification, I, I know that things take a while. And, you know, we ask for, for patience from our students and from our colleagues, our constituents in the, in the organization. But we don't have time to wait around. So um, we've got to stir some shit up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I'm just going to say for the record that Stacy just became president. Just. Wasn't this, did you get passed in January? January. In January. I'm the first female president. Oh, thank you. And then you got it all. I mean, did you just, <laughs> I mean, did you just get handed everything? I did, but you know what? I also am supported by such an amazing group you are. of um, people. You are. Um, not just on the board, but just members in general. Yeah. And we have grown um, just by the conversations that we've been having with our current webinars. We have grown. And the people that didn't even know that we existed and didn't really know what our goals were and our mission is. And now um, to think of what the future could look like for this yes. organization and for yes. our programs is incredibly exciting. And yes, it's hard. And yes, a lot of it sucks. And it's just, <laughs> but like, like Gwen said, like we're, uh, I can't remember the exact word, but like we're determined. Yeah. Like we are determined people and we will, we will make it happen. And so I don't take any credit with any, you know, with anything that's happening right now. Um, I'm, uh, I take credit for seeking out our lovely, talented, knowledgeable members who, you know, Tim started, uh, I, I just asked him to start our, um, REI committee. He is the lead diversity officer for that. Great. And he took that and just ran with it. And so that's an example of, you know, people who are, and we're, this is all volunteer. No one's, we have one administrator who's getting paid and she, believe me, she earns every dollar. Um, <laughs> but the rest of us are doing this, you know, air quotes in our free time. Mm -hmm. And we do it because we love musical theater. But as I will go back, Gwen keeps talking about, we do it because we love our students and we want that industry to be, to be reflective of all of these these conversations that we're having, it's so important. You know, I want we them want to be to safe, inclusive and, and, and diverse and safe and, and happy. Uh, we want to see them thrive. And, and it's also important to acknowledge that MTA is not just limited to college professors. We have people in the private arena. We also have members that are at the K through 12 environment, which we think is so important. Oh my, in yes, creating that the, yeah. Connected nothing to more you. important than that. Yeah. You know, and so I think the more we can continue to create a more whole experience for students who are starting in those earliest, earliest formative years of their theatrical education and having conversations about cultural diversity, representation and all this earliest in their training. Imagine the kind of people they're going to be when they arrive to us uh, and come to the doors in their college years. Absolutely. 
you know, so continuing uh, to have MTA increase the representation across the board, I think is super important. Will you tell us about this incredible diversity initiative that actually just launched, what was it, even a month ago? (laughs) If that. Yeah, Yeah, not even. Not even. I don't even have any sense of space or time. I know it just happened and it was incredible. And Tim, will you share with us your your vision and anything that you want to add, Gwen and Stacey, to sort of where this vision, where our fantasies are? Because you were saying where this can go, where the industry can go. And I would love to just hear about where you feel the industry can go. Because, of course, I have my dreams and fantasies. But I would love to see just as educators, where, if you could successfully take care of your students to get them in their, in themselves and free to share, and we could get the industry to be open to them in the way that they need to be. What do you think that that would look like? Well, to give you some context, yeah, yeah the, the committee uh, on representation, equity, inclusion uh, has only really been in existence for less than a month. I think what, since just before the webinar that we had about a month, a month. Um, <laughs> And of course, it arose from a need, uh, an acknowledged need to increase not only the diversity of the membership within the organization of MTA, but more importantly, to start having the awkward and uncomfortable conversations that I think we've all want to have, have wanted to have, but have not yet had. And I by no means consider myself, I think, an expert in any of this. I am, I consider myself a vessel, uh, a, a, a transitional gateway between MTA and and this amazing group of people, which includes Gwen Walker and many others from many diverse organizations, yeah. to create a space for their voices to be lifted up and empowered. And I think that's the, that was my initial goal, was to, to build a, 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 a space with a group of people who share equal passion about increasing the representation that exists or the lack of representation that exists. And I'm not just limiting that to uh, <laughs> to people of color. It is our it was our trans community. Oh. It is our gender uh, how we identify in terms of gender, neurodiversity, all of it, and um, and we've just begun to 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 scratch at the bit of the surface. And it's really interesting because you know there's so many DEI committees. We probably belong all between Stacy, myself, and Gwen. We've probably been on like 16 different uh, <laughs> diversity equity inclusion <laughs> committees uh, through administration. But you know what? It's interesting because one of the first people that I brought on was Rufus Bonds Jr., who's currently at Syracuse University. And I asked him, I said, I have this idea and, and, and I'm getting a lot of support from Stacy and the rest of the executive board to, to build this committee. I want to do this, but I don't want it to be just a room where we sit and discuss a bunch of talking points. That's been done. Yeah. We've talked and talked. We've apologized. And Marty, Marty Austin Lamar from Howard University, one of our committee members, in our, one of our first meetings, he said, we are done with the apologies. Yeah. We're done hearing the apologies. Right. We've been apologizing through our teeth. <laughs> now, if you are going to commit yourself to action, you need to actually walk the walk and do the hard, important, scary, terrifying work that exists. And that's where we are right now. Um, you know, I'm I, every time I go into a committee meeting, uh, you know, I'm excited, but I'm also scared because I know that we need to have awkward and uncomfortable conversations so that we can share, learn how to have those awkward and uncomfortable conversations with our students and our colleagues. So this committee, it's not a group of talking points. I want this committee to be disruptors. I want this committee to be a group of people who, who are going to call out inequity when it's seen. And so the webinar was kind of the springboard for that introducing the committee, introducing a little bit of the mission and the goals. But now post-webinar, 
Great. We've done the webinar. We've talked. You've seen our face. Now you're going to start hearing more about this new scholarship fund that we are working to develop. And uh, I'll talk about it with Stacy in our board meeting tonight. But um, <laughs> some really exciting insight came out of our most recent committee meeting where it's not just a, a fund. It's going to be an opportunity for us to expand community outreach in a K through 12 experience. Also, in the work that we're looking at doing with some uh, private organizations post-college years, where we are going to get students of color, our trans community, and uh, our students that are from many different diverse backgrounds, getting them mentorship post-college. And so they can get their foot in the door in, in a multitude of different arenas, whether it's production design or in performance. So I think this scholarship idea and this committee and MTA can serve as this gateway pre-college and post-college to get students access to opportunities that hadn't been open to them. And that's really where I, I envision like my, my five-year plan for the committee. That, that's what I mean is that's the connective tissue. That's where there is where we can start also all speaking the same language by getting together in these sort of, we've got K through 12, then we've got college, teen programs, industry. If we can keep connecting them to each other, then we can all learn the same language and all treat each other with the respect and dignity we deserve. The amount of interest that Tim got when he put the word out about this committee and the, the upcoming webinar from people from all different types of programs was really encouraging and exciting because again, we see the future of the program in the industry. It's very, it's, it's a scary time to be alive and it's a, an exciting time to be alive. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy to be a part of the conversation. I remember thinking that when the Tony Awards were happening, they were, they have that one special award for one special teacher who's impactful. And I remember thinking that's really, really beautiful. But I thought, you know, you should have awards for teachers. You should, there should be some, not even, it doesn't have to be a Tony award. It should be like, can we, can there be an acknowledgement of the teachers who are changing theater in some way? Because so, so many of us are, but I even mm. said, is it just K through 12? Are you doing college professors? And they're like, no. And I just remember thinking, but they're the ones that have your, your future stars right there. So it was interesting because it's like the people before, you know, I do have a feeling about that, Gwen Walker. I just had a really great text exchange with our mutual friend, Ezra Manis, uh, two days ago. Um, Ez joined me for a trans presentation for the Penn State Music Theater Vocal Pedagogy Workshop. And um, sent me a text when we were done and said, you know, I know you don't want any badges. But thanks. And I, and that started an interesting conversation. But when you said that about, about awards for, for us, I, my immediate reaction was no, I don't want to, I don't want any kind of system of like, who did the best, who's going to measure that A bunch of old white guys. I don't, I, I don't, sorry. I, I, I don't want, I don't want part of any kind of system that's going to say you're a great teacher, but you over there, you're not doing enough. Yes. Um, we get measured by our universities sort of to the point of exhaustion. Right. And so like what I want, I, it's true. Uh, but what I, what I would love is a little more, um, physical, financial, and emotional support from the people who, who are 
are understand how hard it is that we're, what we're doing. I don't know if that's from the industry or from from the universities where we work or whatever, but it often feels like we need more from you. These students keep needing more from you, more from you, more from you, but your pay stays the same and your support stays the same. And, and so there's not funding for new initiatives. It all comes on. I mean, like Tim probably worked a hundred hours on that diversity webinar out of the goodness of his beautiful heart. And yeah. I, I probably worked 50 or 60 on it and I'm not the president. I mean, I'm not the chair of the diversity committee. So we're all doing this extra work to make the industry better and to keep our students safe and to make the work. Yeah. Just to, just to help the industry. And we're doing it for out of the goodness out of, of our hearts, but on a shoestring and think, think about what we could make happen with funding. Yeah. That's what I keep thinking about is how, how, I don't want any, I don't want an award for, for doing the work I'm doing. I don't even want a freaking badge. I want funding for, so that we can better help our BIPOC students and our neurodiverse students and our, and our, I, I just, and our trans students, I want money for that. I yeah. want to find out how we do that, how we get infrastructure in place so that we can provide them with scholarship and all the things that Tim was, Tim was just talking about, but, and mm-hmm. more you know, to, to be able to go out there as an, as musical theater educators Alliance and educate people at, at middle and high school levels about how to create a safe space for everyone who wants to be part of musical theater. How do we do that? How do we do that? Money is the answer. Money. Yeah. I think it's more of an acknowledgement and support. Of course. That I'm talking about is that I see you as vital. Having the industry see teachers as vital as opposed to that one singular teacher that gets to win that one thing. It's just about the the industry knowing they can't survive without what we're doing. And it's just to me, it's just a simple sort of bringing us more into the industry and 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 that the, the wing and the people that make the big investments in things don't invest yeah. in a show that's going to fail, invest in education. How have the students been with you during this time? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's loaded. It, it, it's loaded. I do try to check in with them. You know, we have a Facebook page that sometimes I just pop in and say, hope you're all well, or post some article that I think they might find interesting. I also have sent out emails. I have contacted a few personally that I think needed it. Yeah. And I've had a few reach out to me with various concerns about the semester. I, it's obvious that they're all concerned about the future and humans don't like the, like to have uncertainty, um, in their, in their path. And so all I can do, you know, we, we are also, we talk about, you know, all of the ways that we serve our students in many ways, we are parents, um, like a, like other parents to these students, especially when they're living away from home, when we have students who, you know, are from California and they move to Alabama and I am happy to be that person, but there's also that, there's also that added stress of, can I be that per? Can I be that person? Um, you know, I always say I don't have one child. I have 51 children because we have roughly 50 people in our musical theater program. So 
there, there are always um, things that they need to talk about and discuss. And now it's just more. And now I can't do it with seeing their lovely faces in person and I can't give them hugs. And so that's hard. So I think like most people, I'm reaching out as much as I can. We're about to be back on campus in a couple of weeks. And we have the University of Alabama has a lot of safety measures put in place. And that's what we're going to try to do. And I tell you, I cannot wait to be back in that classroom with those students with those masks on. But I can't tell you that it's not without a lot of concerns from from all of us. So I'm going to do my best to make them feel safe and make them feel supported and be as flexible as I can with how they attend class when they attend class, you know, but while still holding them accountable, obviously. Well, and the students were really struggling before this. I mean, that's right. Let's just that's acknowledge true. that they were all, true. you know, like so many of them were in crisis. And now this has happened, and uh, we aren't going to be physically with them to notice a lot of the things that we notice when we are in a room with them. And so they're there, and a lot of them are home in situations that are not great or having to help with being, you know, the financial situation at home, oh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. So their stress is, is through the roof as well. And that contact that Stacy was talking about that being their, their, their on-campus parent, which I try really hard to, to have a professional relationship with my students and right. have that, and then also be there for them in a way that right. they need me. I think we right. all do that. And it, it but when we're not in the same room with them, it becomes a completely different paradigm that we now have to navigate and address. And also I feel like there's a, like one of the things that John Simpkins, the director of our musical theater program says all the time is we talk about all of you all the time. We call it our hands around, right? <laughs> so if I notice that somebody is, doesn't seem like they're themselves today, I'm going to shoot somebody a text who I know teaches them in another avenue of their life and say, Hey, have you noticed anything? Are they okay? Because so we all pay attention to how they're doing, but in a, when we're not all in the same building, that whole, that whole thing changes greatly. I, I, I was going to say briefly, this just echoes everything that Quinn and Stacy were saying. March 12th is a date that's going to like it's seared in my brain because that's the day I had to leave campus and I have not returned to campus since March 12th. That was the night I had to approach my cast of a chorus line and tell them they have to go home. That was our opening night of a chorus line. Oh. And from that date to now, it's been what we're pushing six months. We're getting close to the six month marker. That just seems. 750 years, Tim. It just seems so unfathomable (laughs) that we have been so disconnected from our campuses and our community, uh, except with the exception of Zoom or or whatever, you know, social media. And in that, from March 12th to now, our students' lives have been completely uprooted. The entire way that they view the world around them is completely shifted, unlike any other time they have ever experienced in their lives. The one thing that I think keeps me up at the most at night is, I keep keep trying to replay what are the first what's the first 20 minutes of class going to be like when I get back into my online class do I address the elephant in the room do I just charge forward and say let's get to work and let's make this an amazing experience how do we address fear anxiety and and share that commonality between the instructor and the students so that we can all say we're in this together but I am going to hold your hand and guide you through this process 
that's the one thing I think that I'm, I'm, keeps me up the most at night. You know, it's so interesting because, um, you know, we just piloted the mental health first aid training and Oklahoma City University is going to be piloting the first college um, mental health first aid training where the, um, the, the teachers, some students, some member of, members of the coalition are all going to train in mental health first aid so that they can be there for each other. And we studied our mental health first aid, aid training while we were online. And as we were online studying and getting certified in it, we were noticing, oh my God, but this is geared towards when you're in person with people. Mm-hmm. This is when you can actually catch cues when somebody's starting to, you know, leave and dissociate and or spin or get emotional here somebody can just turn their thing off you know they could they could distract themselves with things so that we have to actually look at how can we pick up cues from each other that there's an issue and how can we uh instead of disappearing or dissociating how can we engage people online by sending them a text and saying or a private message or in the chat privately i'm having trouble right now can you <laughs> can you get on the phone with me you know it's like a whole new way that we have to be able to we have to intuit people on camera and even though there's more details in the acting there isn't necessarily more details in the person's anxiety necessarily so we have to really really look differently at people and their behavior and how they show up before we ever did. And I agree with you, Gwen. I have to say the world has been falling apart before this pandemic even happened. And our students were the ones that were catching everything. And how I noticed it was I would just pop in for a day or two days and be like, whoa, I know you're all getting trained really well here, but what's going on in there? You know, Mm -hmm. what are you struggling with? Or it could be that the cancel culture that we had with Lady Gaga, you know, back in the day is now I'm canceling my homework or I'm canceling my teacher. And Mm -hmm. that we're we're taking, we're grabbing whatever we can, not we, but uh, young people, because it's getting too hard and they're just trying to survive. For as long as I can remember, Sherry, since I've been an academic, I have been highly concerned about this. And I remember talking about this 13 years ago. I'm sure. Five years ago, I, I, no, six or seven years ago, I wrote my first article about it. Five years ago, I wrote my second. And I just finished my third for MTEA. I wrote an article called The New New Imperative Addressing Mental Health Issues on Campus. We can't say it's somebody else's problem anymore. We have to learn how to notice and ask and refer and do all the things that are really, really important for, and we need training and we need, we need tremendous support. And the problem is that most universities are over, most university counseling services are completely overwhelmed and backlogged and, and a lot of students can't afford it, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on about this for No, hours, I know. But, but, that, but that's what I think that to, peers it's only going to get Yes, it is only going to get worse. Yes. Well, peers, we could figure out as peers, as teacher peers and as student peers, because they're close with each other in whatever way they are. And we can teach them to say, hey, I'm having a panic attack right now and have another one go, all right, baby, what do you need? You want to go, you want me to call your, you know, you want me to reach out to your mom? Do you want me to come over? Who's close by? You want me to send somebody close by? You know, and then we could teach them how to ask each other for help. And... That might help too. 
And that's something that we were never taught as, you know, when we were, we were in working on our master's degrees, we were never, there was never a conversation about when you do get into, into academics, how are you going to become a proverbial parent to these students? How are you going to address their mental health challenges? And, and we just kind of had on the job training and God knows we are not trained enough to handle uh, these challenges. Well, men- mental health challenges have been on the rise for the last 15 years and kids the age that we teach, and they are only going to get worse. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, I'll just say, read my articles. There's a lot of reasons for that. But, but the, tr- the truth is that we all need to be prepared in the classroom for how to deal because it isn't just happening at home or in lack of work or lack of finishing projects or it's, it's happening, you know, events. I know you, I'm preaching to the choir, but events are happening in rehearsals and in the studio. And we are all needing to know how to deal with that. And um, I have, I fear that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I also feel that it is going to get better that what's all the things that are happening right now between the pandemic and Black Lives Matter, and Me Too, and we are all acknowledging everyone's pain in a way that we never have in my lifetime. And I think that that is going to cause some healing, and that things, and and also the stigma for mental health care has gone down significantly. And I think people are starting to realize that we all suffer in some way. And so, so I'm hopeful that I'm I'm really hopeful that we are coming into the renaissance of everybody has issues. Let's talk about them in mental care, health care in, in the musical theater industry. Yeah. Because underneath all of our diversities and underneath the pressures of the industry are mental health issues. And we all walk around with them. And if you didn't have them, now you have them. And if you had, if you had them before, <laughs> they're worse. And there has been a shame and a stigma around mental health. And I feel like, if we can, you know, it's funny because if it's one, if it's mentionable, it's manageable one. So I think I'm thinking the whole, what we need to do mm-hmm. is create a world of transparency that those beginning moments of class have to be, we have to be transparent with each other. We have to let each other know when something's up and we have to be mm-hmm. able to say in that moment, something's up and be able to identify what you need and get into a relationship with what you need. And I think that teachers need mental health first aid too. You need somebody who you could check in with and go in, Oh my God, this is hard. Oh, I'm having a moment. And somebody could be like, let's take care of your mental health while you're taking care of their mental health. You know, yeah. I think we all need it. And I thank God I'm a part of a movement, um, to get it into as many uh, places as possible. You know, I would love to have a mental health first aid person sitting in, you know, as a monitor in an audition room, that person should be trained in mental health first aid. It's just, it's just, you know, the deck equity deputy should be trained in mental health first aid. We should have a mental health first aid Um, person in every cast. (laughs) When I I have a system in my classroom where I, put out a shoebox of little red scrunchies that people can grab and put on their wrist, which means I do not wish to work today. I'm here. I want to learn, but I don't want to be touched. I don't want, you know, cause I'm an Alexander technique teacher. I touch people. I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be talked to and I don't want to work. And, um, I, and I, I did that to get people in the room and be like, I know you're having a difficult day, but you want welcome to sit on the side and whatever. But I often have the thought, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, Stacey, Tim and Sherry, I often have the thought, Where's my red scrunchie? Where's my red scrunchie? Where's my red scrunchie? I don't feel up to it today. Can I not? 
Come on. Yeah. I also think we're, I think as educators, we're so afraid to, to mention that acknowledge our pain and our anxieties, because especially given the moment we're in right now, uh, we don't want to come across as privileged or entitled or, you know, look at me and my problems. That's what I try and avoid. You know, that's just something in my brain, but I know when this, this conversation ends, I have to deal with all of my crap, you know, uh, alone. And Mm. as an educator, you know, I, I do wish that there was someone uh, or, or a group of people at my um, institution who, who's actually looking out for the instructors, especially in times like this, because God knows I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I'm excited, but I'm terrified yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So what I want to, um, before I let you honeys go to the 85 things that you're going to do today, um, what would you, what would you like to see for the future of your school, like what would be just a real quick, my fantasy situation when we get back would be to see what is one thing at your institution that you would like to see changed for the better. And it's not to criticize the institution. It's not like, I want the institution to say like, but I'd love to have more kids of color. I'd love to have more teachers getting involved in advocacy, you know, is there anything that feels like something that would be a great thing for you when you return to school proper? That's loaded. Oh, that's a, <laughs> I'll give you an immediate just one, give me Sherry. One. Just give me uh, one. Just give, give me you an immediate one. For, uh, for you, for you to succeed at taking care. And, and I am acknowledging firsthand that I am complicit in this. And this is something that I am working on and and needing to improve is as I take over as department coordinator for our program, for our department is to increasing working towards and striving towards increasing the diversity of our faculty, both at the adjunct uh, part-time level and the full-time level. And that is not an easy conversation to have. It it takes a lot of hoops to go through. We know that um, administratively and with our, with our peers, but that is something that I want to see change, you know, in the long term. I want to see my students of color. I want to see themselves reflected in the faculty that are training them. And I want to see that, that, that symbiotic relationship exists between, you know, a black faculty member and a black student and shared culture, shared perspective between a Latinx Asian student and, and vice versa. That's my dream. That's my dream. And I know I've committed complicit in that. And, and I have, I'm taking responsibility that I have not worked hard enough to make that happen, but I'm vowing from this point on, that is a mission that I'm going to challenge to champion uh, moving forward. Amazing. Thank God you have all of us behind you to help you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think there's a bit of, a bit of a gift that some of, although it's not that we have a lot, still don't have much free time, but the fact that I'm not going to be in rehearsals at night um, mm-hmm. at least in the fall, yeah. um, that I do have more, um, time to educate myself and to have these discussions. And I do have more time to dedicate to MTA and places that I, I wouldn't normally, I think that I, that's why I'm trying to look at it as, as a gift mm-hmm. that I've been given. And, um, I just would love, you know, an increased awareness and understanding, of the issues in, uh, inherent in the work of inclusion and diversity. I mean, just from, from our faculty perspective, from our students perspective, yeah. I, um, I, I, 
that we're all together. We're all, uh, um, you know, we're all in it for, we're all trying to have the same conversations and we have the same goal in mind. Yes. And I just would ask for, um, patience and respect from all of those involved. You know, it's this, the changing, the, the, the emails that we get every single day that, that are, are, everything is changing constantly. Um, and so just patience. Yeah. It needs Um, grace, grace and grace. Grace. Absolutely. That's hard. What we need. Yeah. 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 Stacey stole my answer. That's totally what I was going to say. That's okay. Patience and grace, patience and grace. I would like to see what happens is we get stuck. We get hung up on the administrative level of things at universities where we want, everyone wants the same thing. There's nobody who I work with who's not aware of this crisis moment we're in and how we were complicit in creating it and how we want to knock it down as fast as we can and succeed. But first of all, we've all got baby legs Second of all, we've, we've all got a lot, we've all got a lot to learn, a lot to learn. And it's not as though we just started learning about this in this spring. We didn't, but we, we definitely, my, I speak for myself. I definitely have not done as much as I need to do. And I'm aware of that now, but what I would love from the administration and from the students and from my colleagues is if we could all start from a place of kindness yeah. And empathy, empathy and patience with each other, understanding that we all have boxes to tick, we all have past to deal with, we all have <laughs> emotional issues that we're dealing with, and we're all honest to God, full-hearted, and want this change. And if people can just be patient and kind and em- empathic with each other, I think it'll happen more gracefully instead of as bumpily as I sometimes see it happen. <laughs> if we can get out of the accusation mode and the threat mode and the mm-hmm. scared to death mode and get yep. into the, okay, we're in the mud pit together. Let's right. work it out. Together. Right. Yeah. Right. I think together. there needs to be together. What that. do you have to teach me? Yeah. What do you have to teach me? I'm listening. I am listening. And if we can allow ourselves such patience and grace too, because oh, being Stacey, in the, yeah. you know, <laughs> being in the, in this setting where, you know, we're constantly having to justify what we do and, and its importance yeah. and where it falls within research, you know, scholarly work and creative work. Um, the things that we're doing right now don't necessarily check a box off in our tenure and promotion files and in our dossiers. Right. right. And I think it's important that we allow ourselves to see that even though we're doing something that maybe isn't product driven, you know, we're not going to see a production by the end of the semester, but that it is, it's work that is necessary yes. and, um, will yield such wonderful results mm-hmm. in the future. Maybe um, a help, and I think a it's help. a good lesson for our students too, because it's not product, it's process. And that's something that we struggle, you know, um, to mm-hmm. teach our students sometimes the, the grace and the time I think is very important to all of maybe. our mental and physical health. And maybe you our know, students so coming out on the other side of this, being healthier, yeah. mentally Absolutely. healthier, yeah. would be yeah. a really great thing to see. Yeah, yes. because I, I think to me, they can't do any of the things that we could teach them to do if they don't have their head on. And 
And, uh, like I said, it's underneath everything. So we always have to have mental health in the conversation with all of the other things that are happening. Uh, for, for the folks who stayed with us for this unbelievable hour and met these, uh, I mean, will call you heroes. The reason why is because so many, I've been to so many schools and so many students wished their teachers thought about these things and cared about these things. And there's a lot of people that feel like they have to fight a fight. And what you're letting them know is you don't have to fight a fight. We will meet you. We will meet you where you are. You don't have to fight. You just have to take my hand. I'm learning. You're learning. We're learning together. We got this. And I think that what you're doing right now and why I'm so thrilled to be a part of your life at all is that we're changing college culture and nothing that has to change is easy. Um, And maybe it took a pandemic to change college culture fast, (laughs) but we're doing it. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being here. And I wanted to applaud all of you, not just for all of the initiatives that we're creating through MTEA, but because you're the kind of teachers that inspire other teachers to do this work. And so I'll send everybody the information on how to find MTEA because if you have, if you are an educator and an actor who's an educator or any of this matters to you, find us and come be a part of our family. We're doing incredible things. And I like that you said that, Stacey. We're no bullshit. We aren't, correct? <laughs> There's no time. There's no time for ego. There's no time for attitude. We just have to do the work and make the change and make this a safer, ha- happier, healthy environment for us all to be in. Uh, so yeah, we're not we're not a stuffy organization. You know, we're we're one of, we're the only organization um, that really focuses on um, uh, you know the educational aspect. We're not reading papers at our conferences. <laughs> we're it's hands on. It's um, experiential. It's uh, it's a wonderful way. There's so many benefits of membership, including I wanted to plug no all the way. Great time. Well, Gwen referenced the journal. So that oh, is yeah. one wonderful benefit of membership. And if you go online, you can see, um, you know, all of the different things that you can get with your, with your membership. And this, um, our conference this January yes. will be online this year, obviously for the first time. So, um, we're taking submissions for that as we speak. Yeah. And these wonderful conferences that we have, Uh, the ones that I mentioned that everybody let me come to and present at every year. This is where you get to come and say, I have an idea. I want to try it out. I need to grow. What do I need to see? It literally just keeps expanding all of us every year. So please come and join us. Thank you so much for being here, Stacey and Gwen and Tim, and for being inspiring educators and healers um, and making this part of the industry um, a safer place for everybody involved. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for the opportunity to to have this conversation. Absolutely. Thank and everybody, you, Sherry. Oh, yeah. And follow the diversity work we're doing. It is absolutely off the charts incredible. Thank you, Sherry. You got it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for Woo-hoo. coming. Yes, appreciate you. Thanks for coming with Pause and Effect. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Sherry Sanders. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause and Effect. 
Cause and Effect is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and music by Courtney Bassett and Andrew Swackhammer of Starbird and the Phoenix. Special thanks to Stephen Farizee. Thank you. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream. You should also follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Rock the Audition. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm backslash cause and effect. Peace. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.